Developing Tomorrow's Leaders is all about educating, supporting, and inspiring the next generation of leaders. Join Coach T as he interviews members of Helpopedia, a collection of leaders that is uniting a community of changemakers so that no ask for help goes unheard. They are a sharing and caring community with different skill sets that span health, wellness, career, and life readiness. Welcome to another episode of Development Tomorrow's Leaders. I am Coach T, and help me welcome Phil Petrano to Develop Tomorrow's Leaders. How you doing, Phil? Outstanding. Thank you very much for having me. Always oh, a pleasure. Um, for those of you who don't know, I do know Phil. Uh, Phil and I actually are part of a co-op, which we'll be talking a little bit more about that here shortly. But uh, first and foremost, Phil, I'd love for you to share first about uh, your business, planning and vision and what you do. And we'll talk a little bit about that, but if you'll do that for us, we'd appreciate it. Sure. Um, I'll just share a little story of background. Um, so I'm, uh, I, I was a, an IT project manager, business analyst and, uh, servicing, um, a financial credit union, um, with, um, a lot of, uh, great, uh, co- comrades that I was servicing the managers and executives and provided them business Intel to help them with uh, making decisions. And uh, I found myself in 2014 at a, at a guidance counselor meeting with other students and, and parents. And the guidance counselor said, hey, it's never too early to start planning for college. And so my son's a sophomore and I'm excited. And uh, I said, hey, this is a new project, love project management. Hey, this is analysis, love analysis. And so I spent two and a half years diving into the comparative analysis for colleges and what uh, we were signing up to and helping my son identify colleges that were best um, fit for him academically and socially. And so uh, this is how I started my business is because I saw the huge need to help parents and students figure this out because there's over 25 skills that are needed to make an informed decision about where you what are you going to do next. And the, the data really doesn't reflect well in our society um, so that the students and parents need as much help as, as we can give them. And uh, so I, I launched my business in 2018. It's called Planning a Vision. And uh, I'm an independent college and career consultant providing um, this uh, unbelievable, valuable service to provide uh, parents and students with intel uh, to help them with their, their big significant decision of uh, what am I going to do after 12th grade? And I'm, I'm sure, Phil, that there, there, you mentioned there are 25 key areas, but there's so many uh, aspects of it that parents and students don't know where to look. Uh, I think they always think that it's the top one, two, three or four things that they need to know. Can you share with us just a few things that they typically don't take into account when looking for colleges and not just necessarily location and and price but just in general yeah so it's it's wide and it's deep and um and there's so many different variables i could share with you uh but here's the high level it's there is no history of college for the students to take and participate and understand the lessons that have been learned for other college students and students who've graduated before them so this is a huge blind spot to not know and understand what they're really signing up to unless they had the conversations with hundreds of students to understand how to navigate this and what what their expectations were, where they met, how many surprises they had, how many regrets they have. But there's no lessons in in high school to be open to have those conversations because some things are really important for a student and some things aren't. So, for example, the dorm life, just the dorm life alone, there's 25 variables to know whether this is a good fit for you. And, uh, you know, if if a student likes camping outdoors, the dorm situation will not be an issue. But if you live in your, your room by yourself and you have things in order, well, in the world of college, you may get a roommate. And the decide, the decision factor of, of, of identifying a good roommate and matching with a good roommate, have they ever done that before? Do they know what to do and what to expect and how to manage conflict? So this is just one example of the thought process that I go through with students to really understand what they're signing up to and making sure that it's a good fit. There's a, there's a school they could care less if the roommates don't get together. I, they, they could care less. They're not in charge of them. They're, they're you're adults now. 
you're going to have to figure this conflict out on your own. And guess what? You can't kick the student out of your room. And so it, it, it provides um, challenges for the roommate situation when it's not good and they're ill-prepared. How am I going to, to, to address this conflict in a productive way, in an adult way, where there's no fighting and or it gets ugly? So this is just one of those blind spots that they'll just, they'll, they'll just think everything's going to work out. And so that's not necessarily how life uh, um, is. And you got to know which colleges are going to support you in the event there's conflict. Now that raises a good question. The last part of that. So your your role in kind of educating them on this particular area. How do you know? And this just from your experience. How do colleges, how do they work with students when it comes to housing and how some don't work with students with housing? Yeah, so you got to ask the right questions, Coach T. And this is what I do. I'm an analytical guy asking questions to make sure that they're going to have a successful journey. So you've got to be in the forefront and, and be inquisitive to say, what is your situation like? You got to talk to college students. You've got to ask them, hey, did you experience an issue at this particular college? And or do you know someone who didn't get along with their roommate? You could just about ask two or three students who've been there for three or four years. You ask that question, you're going to get feedback. But if you're not asking those questions, and that's that's from the student's perspective. And then you're asking the college perspective where all things are rosy and everything works out. And this is the perfect place to be. So I, I, I do my best to share with students that there can be biases who, depending on who you're asking the questions to, if they own this process, they're going to provide you with a cheery response unless they have your best interest and their objective. And you've got to make that decision when you're going through questions to determine are they going to be only one-sided and support 100% no matter what and not provide you with the details you really need to hear? Um, and so you're, you're assessing that. And this is part of growing up and making decisions and knowing what the facts are compared to the opinions that may be shared. So that's just one example. <laughs> Well, you know what you just described, Phil, is, and this actually is what happens after they get out of college. You just describe a job interview. You know, you talk to the employer. What are they going to tell you? This is the best place to work. But if you start going around asking those employees, you get those employees that have been there for 15, 20 years. Oh, they're going to tell you, hey, this is the truth. This is what it's like. So you have a more uh, informative decision to make based on getting true facts, if you will versus a fabricated, a everything is rosy here, and versus uh, an employee that's been there for three months, well, they're still uh, wet behind the ears on the job. So they're gonna say, oh, I love it here, I love it here. That's a, that's a great analysis. Um, that's why you're an analyst. Oh my gosh, <laughs> analysis, analyst. And I should be a podcast host. You know that? I really should, I really should. Uh, so let's shift it to the parents aspect in in this situation. What is What are things that they, can do or need to be aware of when it comes to helping their students select the right fit and, and, and sticking with this, uh, the rooming aspect? Yeah, um, so so you asked a very good question uh, up front. It's how can the parents be prepared for this activity? And the most important lesson that I have for parents is the opportunity to share with your child how important planning is. And there is no best time to start something than to start it early. Instead of holding off and waiting and waiting because there's always that tomorrow. But I've met I've worked with a lot of parents and students that they're in the they're in they're in the eleventh hour and they have less opportunity to impress the college admissions and or to make really important decisions without having all this thinking processor, because the thinking is not another skill that is, uh, is really supported in the schools, how valuable thinking is and planning these things out and knowing and understanding uh, what, you're, what you're signing up to. So the parent's theme is planning ahead is really important and to surround yourself with people who can help accomplish the goals that you may have 
for your child and or for the, for or or setting them up for success by surrounding them with with really great mentors who have the expertise to help guide them with this big decision cuz uh, Mark Twain said it there's two best days of your life the day you're born and the day you figure out your purpose and so a lot of parents will just assume that their loved one their child is going to figure this out what they're going to want to do and or they're just going to leave it to them and this is the the model that a lot of folks are in and i i saw a survey 80 percent of adults don't enjoy what they do and it's because we as a society haven't provided them with a roadmap and the support that's needed to make this really difficult decision and so that's what i do i i I help the students uh, explore different careers and uh, majors. And um, for the parents, as it relates to the dorm situation, uh, definitely go visit the school because if you don't visit the school, you will not get that experience of visiting a dorm because when you walk into a dorm, it's much different than seeing it on a video because dorms can have aromas. And imagine if your loved one is in that aroma that is not pleasant. And now you're there for eight months. Is that something that you want to sign up to? But look at all the research you have to do. So this requires planning and people who know to ask the right questions. And you've got to see the campus. You've got to know and experience that if you're going to decide where to go. I, there's too many parents and students that don't go to the college and just count on that ranking of a school have all the opinions that they've heard about this school, that it's a great school, and they're not thinking about the details of how is that going to meet your expectations and needs and requirements if you've never visited the school. You're just going to hope and assume it's all going to work out. I'm going to use a sports analogy to kind of tie these two together because what you just described is just like a being recruited for a college you're playing and this college has a history of being successful and competitive, always competing for championships, competing for championships. Oh, I want to be a part of a championship team. Well, you go and you get the scholarship, you accept the scholarship. The team is good, but every other aspect of that experience is not what you expected it to be. Uh, the social life is not what you thought it'd be. Uh, the other, the classrooms are not, uh, the classes are not what you expected, but you got that one aspect of it that made you decide to go to school there. And now you have to suffer through that for the next four years, uh, unless you obviously decide to uh, change. But just wanted to kind of share a sports analogy to that, because I think that that's basically what you're saying, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yeah, no, that's a great example of just having one reason to go to a college. And that's what this is not all about. It's not about the one reason. It's about understanding all the other variables. And this is something that you, if you're if you're if you're not if this is the first time you're doing something, you don't know any better. So you've got to reach out for folks who've done this before and collect that information and or you're talking to an expert and it saves you a lot of time. Here's the hundred variables that we can consider. We'll go down the list and they're making a decision whether it's important for them to know and understand this or not. Perhaps maybe the classrooms aren't important. So they're going to put it on the, the, the bottom and they don't care how many students there are. They don't care how poor the professors are. They don't care anything about the classroom because they've made that choice. And then they select, no, I don't want to do that research. Every, everything's just going to work out. But if you open your eyes and you and you walk through this, because they most kids, they're just put in a high school. And the, the, the decision was already made for them. So this is the first time they're getting to choose. Or sometimes the, the student is pushed by the parent. You've got, you're going to this school. You know what? I'm not paying for it unless you're going to this school. And that's, you know, a limited choice, but who, who's paying for it? And then, you know, it's a, it's a tight spot, but there's other opportunities to consider. And perhaps 
having the conversation with the mom or the dad, right? That's where the student needs support. Hey, there's something else I want to do. I can't talk to my mom. Hey, you've got mentors. You've got adults. If if we have a compelling reasons that your mom or dad doesn't, you know, see it your way because you're 16, you're 17, you may not have had the experience that they've had. But if you share it with a trusting adult and there's compelling reasons there, that adult could go to bat for you and say, here's all the, the and I could provide this, here's all the, the ugly side of the college that you're recommending for this particular student. Is this something you want to sign up to? Because do they have the hundred list of reasons why this is a great fit for their son or daughter? And so it's it's getting them to think about this big decision. They may have not gone down to the, the nitty gritty details to say, how are they going to thrive there? If you're forcing them to go there, they don't want to go there. That's not a successful model. And then all the other particulars. Can you tell me why this is a great college for, for your son or daughter? And that's not an easy response because I, I ask the hard questions. And unless it's unless it's a thorough analysis, you're spending $30,000, dollars $50,000 a year. This is worth the time and the effort. Uh, to, to And some of them are, you know, $80,000 a year. Uh, so college expensive. And I, Coach T., I would not be in this business if if people weren't suffering from all this debt that they've signed up to because they followed that that dream school that they had in their head but didn't really understand because they didn't have the history of college. They didn't talk to the people who did this before and they're 43 years old and they still have debt. And I, I have a, a mortgage person and he just I just uh, went on a, a network meeting and he said, $200,000 worth of debt between the, the young 28-year-old and the young 27-year-old. He can't give them a mortgage because they already have one. It's the student debt that they signed up to. And so are they hearing those stories about situations and scenarios where it didn't, it, it, it didn't work out and it wasn't worth it? And so if you're not getting that side or that perspective, you're blindsided and, and, and just on hope. Because you've you've not let others in to help you with your decision making. I want to share something right along these lines. This is actually an experience I had probably three years ago with a young lady that I was working with. And she was offered a scholarship to play basketball at a uh, school. I met the assistant coach during some of the training and, and they were high on her as a top recruit. And she decides to go to the school. Guess what happens three months after she gets to school, finds out that the coach is leaving to go to another school. So the coach offers her a scholarship to the new school. So now she's done all of her homework and her research on the school where she was offered the scholarship. She follows him to the school where he's going, which she doesn't know as much about. She knows the school, but doesn't know as much. Didn't do all the research to really what you're talking about. Guess and it does it uh, as a foregone conclusion to surmise that she's miserable because of the process. Not only bring that up to say that why what you're saying is so important about parents being involved in the planning part and and both parents and children doing it together is the the coaches, the faculty, administration. They're all about their their institution and what's best for their institution and not always looking out for what's best for that student. So I just wanted to kind of share that story as an example. That's a, it's a great example. And you've hit it on the head. Who has your best interest? The college does not have your best interest. You are not in their mission statement. You are not in their vision. And it's an individual. And you just like high school, Right. We're, they're not treated like individuals. They're in a classroom with of a lot of folks and you're not going to get the personal attention to help with that goal that they may or may not have is to figure out what they want to do after 12th grade. And yes, they can have a support system, but this is something that they have to be proactive on or just have wonderful mentors around them that they're supporting them and guiding them with some great intel to help them be more successful in, in the future. And um, 
you know that example that you provided with the, the transfer? The other component of this is that this is dynamic. People can choose to leave uh, and, and, and that can happen during your, you can have a wonderful freshman year. You can have 10 wonderful friends and those 10 wonderful friends, they could decide to leave and transfer. It's something you're not planning for, you're not thinking about, but oh my goodness, you put yourself in that situation and now, oh my goodness, I, I just I just spent a year with these folks. Now they've all left and now I have to start all over again and maybe I won't be as happy as I was freshman year. So there's this dynamic component and 30% of freshmen are, are going to transfer or drop out. So you could count on th three out of 10 of the people that are around you may be leaving uh, the school because college is not easy. It's an independent activity. There's You have more time and less review in the world of classroom time. There's The professors aren't going to review all the, the stuff that's going to be on the test. Some of the professors, they will not cover the material that is on the test, but it'll be on the test and you've got to be prepared for it. And, and it's a rude awakening because uh, high school doesn't necessarily prepare you for the professors that you're going to have in college. And so again, the history of college, you haven't taken four years of it and now you're thrown into the fire and there's gonna be some good, there's gonna be some great, there's gonna be some bad, it's going to be some ugly. And so, but there's ways to proactively get in front of these dilemmas. The only one I can't accept is, is the whole thing is the professor leaves, the coach leaves. You can't, you can't predict that, but you could ask the question. You, what's preventing them? You ask the question, listen, I'm, I'm, you're one of the reasons I'm coming here. Can you tell me what your plans are? Now, you will either get the honest answer or you may get the organizational response. And that's up to you from a judgment perspective. But the question is, what's their track record? Have you done the research to see if they're bouncing from, from place to place? If the person's there for 20 years, you know, that throws a lot of weight to that. And then you ask them, are you satisfied? You're happy. What's happening in your family? Are, are, are your kids going to school now? They're all going to, to the state of Washington and you're in, in Maryland. And hey, is, is, the, is the coach now going to be tempted to go to Washington because his, both kids are going there? And so you, you've got to ask you know, if, if this was an important factor that the coach is, is why you're going there. You, you don't be afraid to ask those hard questions so that you know whether or not they're going to be there for you or not. And that's the question. Are they just sharing you, you know, all the wonderful and great things that the school provides, what they provide? I had a student. She was a goalie. She got a scholarship. The coach was, was you know, uh, giving her the scholarship. She goes to the first practice. There's five other goalies. Guess what she didn't do for the entire year? Guess where she went? after the entire year. Did she ask the question? She did not ask the question. And now she's in a spot and yeah, you feel bad for the, the, the student, but, but guess what? You gotta ask the question. And if you're not asking the question, you're going in blind. And it's unfortunate because adults don't necessarily do the right thing. <laughs> and, it's, and it's unfortunate. And I'm sorry that their the adults are not doing the right thing, but uh, this is the real world and, and they got to be prepared for it. And um, if they could find, you know, the, the right coach and the proven coach and, and it will be just that much better if, if, if they're uh, able to commit to what they're and, offering. Yeah. And being honest about it. Yeah. So you may or may not be able to answer this next question, but it, it goes along the lines of uh, the, the planning aspect. You know, we talked about the parents and the students the guidance counselors roles in this process with students and the students trust in guidance counselors, helping them make the right decisions. And I only bring this up because of what you do. And I feel like you wouldn't be needed if they were doing their, their jobs in that and helping students make those decisions. Yeah. So um, the guidance counselors are in a tough spot 
um, they don't they don't get to meet the students every day. They don't get to meet the student once a week. They're only allocated a, a few hours, sometimes an entire quarter or two quarters. And so it is impossible if your expectation is that the guidance counselor will be the hero in this story as it relates to providing great insight and great intel and finding the best fit, it's it's a tall task you're asking the guidance counselor to do because there's over a hundred variables associated with finding your best fit college. And so, and and I'm not sure if all the guidance counselors are qualified in the analytical skills that I have. They don't have my background and strategic thinking and planning. Um, and and I, I said that there was 25 skills that are needed. The students are at a huge disadvantage without understanding strategic planning. They don't understand career planning. And, and that's, that's a shortcoming that is happening. And it's hard without these skills and these, and these act and, and the experience, it is difficult for them to make a good decision. And so there is no decision-making class in high school. They're not showing the kids how to make a decision. Everything is gut, everything is opinion-based, but there are decision-making models that corporate America uses, but families are totally in the blind spot about this knowledge and understanding. And so what do we get? We get 42% of students who go to college will not graduate in six years. 30% of them will transfer or drop out freshman year. We're not setting up our kids for success because it's not easy for a 17-year-old to make the significant decision about what they want to study and learn in the next phase because they've not done it before. Yeah, uh, and I, like I said, I, I wasn't sure if you'd be able to answer that. And I just want to clarify that, you know, by no means am I saying that guidance counselors aren't doing their jobs because obviously that's a big job to do. It's just, I know they have a role in assisting students and you just outlined that, you know, they don't, they have limited time with them. So there's only so much they can do with the time that they have. Uh, I would like to shift a little bit about uh, to costs and the misconceptions that both students and parents have when it comes to, you know, selecting a school based on the price tag. Um, and I think uh, in on your side, I think you called the sticker price, college sticker price. So can you share a little bit about uh, the understanding that both parents and students have? And you can start with what students' expectations are and perhaps what their thought processes are when they're starting to select schools. Yeah, so we'll start with basics uh, from a financial perspective. Generally, the, the mindset is the more you pay, the better service you get. Or the more you pay, the more you're going to get. That's an assumption. There are, you're at the end of this, you're going to get a four year degree if you complete your degree, if you're a bachelor's degree, and that's just for undergraduate. And there, you can pay, you know, $300,000 for that four year degree, or you could pay $100,000. And the question is the value of money is the, is it worth an extra 200? And that's if you get it right. Right. And if you, if you, if you, if you, if you've completed all the work that's necessary to complete the degree in four years, which the, the, I mean, the average student is not completing in four years. So you're throwing another, you know, if it's $300,000, that was for four years. Okay. Add another one because most of the students will not graduate in four years. Less, less than half will. So you've got to include that fifth year as a cost. And so that's $375,000 for a four-year degree. And the question for, for the, the parents and the students is what else could you do with that money that you can educate yourself and not spend an extra $275,000 for that four-year degree that has that name recognition on it? And then if, if again, okay, so let's talk about history of careers that they're not learning. Did they ask the right questions associated with the careers that they're pursuing to the people who are recruiting for those positions to ask and understand 
is it worth $275,000 for me to get this name school on my resume compared to the $100,000 school on my resume? And if they're not doing that research and understanding, they're, they're driving blind because they're not reaching out to understand the scope of their decision-making and the assumptions that they're making to spend that extra money because it's, it's, a, it's a brand recognition name. So there's, there's the return on investment analysis. And again, most students don't have a return on investment um, skill set. And so if they have someone in their, in their um, network that, that can do an ROI, a business finance uh, person, uh, they, could, they could do this assessment and, and ask them, how much is it worth for getting this? And then the value of that. What is the variable that you think you're getting? And then can you prove that that variable is working, right? Because the assumptions of the alumni are going to get me the jobs. Well, do you, I, I met a, a, a waitress who graduated from a, a, an elite school and she just graduated. She had no opportunities after graduating. from. But you don't hear that story. Because are the schools going to advertise how many students after they graduate actually have a job that is within the field that they've studied? And even the prestigious colleges, because it's up to the individual to do this career activity. And you can't just graduate from school and think that there's going to be a line out your door knocking and saying, please come to work for us. It doesn't happen. It, it's it's the preparation that the individual is doing to, to make things happen and, and to get the necessary skills needed to open up those doors because the colleges, they, they can open some doors, but they're not opening up every door for every student. And you could ask them that, hey, a career center, I know you got 50,000 students in this in this college. Can you tell me how many of the 50,000 students that you got, you helped with the, the job search for? Oh, no, we've, we've got everything online. They could help themselves. Great. Guess what the other colleges have? The same thing. Oh, but you didn't know that because you didn't. Did you ask all the questions associated with, is there really an engine? Is there an engine and is it proven? And who do you have to talk to? The students that just graduated. And? And each one is going to be different. Some are motivated. Some are not motivated. And you'll find that in any elite school, by the way. It's it's their people. <laughs> yeah. No, no, for sure. No, no, absolutely. And I'd love to share the flip side of that. The young lady you were talking about just got a degree from an elite school and had no job lined up. Um, my nephew actually went through a program. And he, when, he was in his, when he was just starting his master's program, he started the process of, hey, when I finish this master's program, I want to have a job. Just a few months into that, he got his first offer from another university to get a job. year and a half later, he's now working with an NFL team in his field because he was putting forth the work and asking the right questions and making the right connections. And he started that process early. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. So that's um, two different perspectives on what you do what you don't do or what you sh didn't do, what you should have done versus doing what you should have done and getting that done. So can we shift to the parents and their understanding aspects and expectations when it comes to cost in college? Yeah. So the average, the average cost is, uh, is about $38,000 per year. Um, so if they're, if they're going state, they're going to definitely, um, reduce their uh, expenses tremendously if it's within state schools. Um, there are opportunities that if your son or daughter is extremely talented and or extremely smart, they will have opportunities to reduce those costs to get um, to get scholarships, merit scholarships from the school themselves. The, the, it's a competition. Uh, all the schools are competing against the brightest and the best. And if you and your your if your son or daughter, is strong in in any subject matter any subject matter uh, and that's one of the goals is that it they the key to this is to have your son or daughter dive into something that they really love and they're passionate about 
and they're doing something outside of the school. This helps them set themselves apart and the schools will recognize their leadership and as well as their, um, their commitment to something. And these are strong attributes that adults admire in students. And so this is very attractive and this could help reduce the cost associated with college where you can get a, a, a four-year degree at a private school for, for less than $100,000. Um, but is your son or daughter committed enough to something and passionate enough to, to lead something? Um, that's an attractive, um, definitely a, an attractive quality. And, and then are they getting the support from the adults? If they're doing it all by themselves, I mean, that's even more impressive, but they don't have to. You don't have to leave it to your son and daughter to, to figure out how they're going to uh, reduce the cost of college. They've got to be connected with adults who know and could support them in the, um, in the endeavors that they, they'd like to start and or be a part of, right? They, they don't necessarily have to lead, but they can also participate in other student-led activities that they're interested in. There's so many opportunities that they don't even know that exist. They just have to talk to someone who's strategic and opportunistic and just, it's identifying a need. I mean, that's all this is, is if there's a need in society for, for expertise in something and they're going after it, it's a, it's a, it's, it's half the battle. <laughs> No, I appreciate you sharing that. And I, uh, I think you hit home. Uh, it's a great segue into the next part. But I want to go back. I meant to mention this when you were talking about the process of students doing their homework and visiting campuses and parents going with them to visit. Uh, Morco, the young lady, she's actually just committed to going to High, High Point University. Every time I looked on social media, she was back there visiting again. I don't know how many times she visited this campus because it was down to two schools and she took the extra visit visits, I should say, because she wanted to make sure. And she is a thousand percent sure that this is where she wants to go to school. So I just kind of wanted to share that uh, to bring home your point that, you know, you must do your homework and go in the extra mile, taking that extra step will prove to be the best thing that you, you know, that you could possibly do. So the last thing you mentioned is a great lead into the second part of our talk, and that is you don't have to do it alone. Um, you and I are part of a uh, you are the co-founder, uh, co-director of an organization, Helpopedia, which is a community of uh, game changers. And what we do and I'll, I'll actually I won't say I mean, I know, but I want you to share with us as. <laughs> as the co-director. Oh, real quick, before we get to that, you're talking about schools. I would love to promote the school that I went to. I went to school and I it only took me 17 years to graduate. It was Southwest Kmart State. I was a seven sport letter. Um, I was an All-American in all seven sports. I don't want to go through what they all are. Um, and the tuition of this school is only $7.50 a year. And I was valedictorian of the um, yeah, of my class. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, Southwest Kmart State, look it up. If you need a reference, don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So on to Helpopedia. Tell us all about it. So uh, through through the um, through my cycles of, of business from 2018 to, to during the pandemic, and uh, 2022, I I uncovered how much the youth really needs help, as well as how poorly adults have have provided the support that youth need, and also the direction we're going into. And um, we we and I, I start this with the pandemic. The the in, in the world of business. The corporations, they have disaster recovery plans. This is smart planning. It's understanding that if this, if the building that we work in no longer exists because that can happen naturally or from a terrorist perspective, that we want to keep the lights on. We want to keep going We because we have this urgency to, to continue delivering the services and products that we offer. And this has been happening since the, the late 90s that this has been standard protocol. 
Well, the education system doesn't have that mindset. We in the East Coast here, when there's snow, they just close schools. They're not thinking of ways to keep the lights on and keep the education going. That's nothing that was important to them. But so, so of course, you know what happened during the pandemic. So education system was unprepared. And in fact, the corporations, the businesses who had the disaster recovery plans, who had models in place where they were still keep going, what they didn't think of was that their employees who have young children would be distracted from doing their work because there was nobody to take care of them during a pandemic. And the schools weren't providing any sort of support there. So now they're in the quagmire where I've got employees that can't be productive because they're watching their kids. They're homeschooling them. And speaking of homeschooling, how many parents were prepared for a pandemic of homeschooling? The families didn't have disaster recovery plans. We were too busy trying to get toilet paper. So it's, uh, it, so for me, I, I'm as, a, as an analyst and a planner, I'm embarrassed by our country not be, having strong leadership and recognizing these basic um, activities to perform in and learn from others. And so, so, th so this is what it started. It's like, okay, instead of me complaining about it, no, no, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to change this, this, this dialogue, and we're going to get together with smart people, and, and we're going to focus on the youth because they're at a disadvantage. And if, we're, if I'm surrounding myself with people who care, about others who care about our youth, who are providing educational content that is smart and helpful in the, in the world of wellness, in the world of health, in the world of mental health, in the world of preparing them for life. This is what we need as a country. This is what we need as a human kindness. And we need to support each other. We need to help each other. And that is the equation. That is the recipe. If we care about each other and we care about our youth and we could all get behind that because it's easy to get behind to support the learning and education of our youth and preparing them. And with this pandemic, it has brought so much isolation. I was in a high school, Coach T, and I'm looking at the faces of the students and they're almost like zombies. It's the, the, the screen time that they're taking at night, the lack of sleep, the lack of desire and motivation because education is not as entertaining as the device that they have at home. They need help from us. And, and the parents, the parents weren't prepared for a pandemic. They weren't prepared for social media. We are just not prepared for these things that our, our, our loved ones, our children are growing up with, and we are unprepared. So what can we do? We could give back and help them in so many ways and surround them with people who care about them instead of the folks who don't care about them and are selling them all these things uh, and not doing right by them. And, uh, you know, there's a, I just saw American Greed episode, Jewel. They're, they're selling this nicotine and they, they, they're in denial about how many young people are using this and they're addicted to it. I, I had a, a, here's a great parents. If you're listening, uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, he got life insurance for his son. His son had too much nicotine. He didn't even know he was taking Juul. And so it uh, was uncovered that he was having, uh, he was addicted to nicotine and addicted to, to Juul. And there's over 3 million of the kids, but they've been, they've been educated that cigarettes are bad for them, but they haven't been educated how Juul is, is just as bad. It's nicotine that is addicting. And so again, for, for surround yourself with people who care about your kids. They're not going to provide them with the Juul uh, electronic cigarettes uh, as a, um, you know, as a, as a, as a habit forming thing that they're, they may not be able to kick. Um, so it's it's just sad, and I, I sorry I rambled. rambled. <laughs> oh no, no, you're fine. I mean, this, you're you're laying a great foundation for why Helpopedia was started, Bob. It's why I'm I'm excited to be a part of it because what you described is you're doing your part where you are. I'm doing where I am where I, where I am here in North Carolina. But if you knew 
what I provide could benefit the kids that you work with. And if I knew what you do could benefit the kids I have, what happens when we all come together? How can, how can we not impact that next generation of kids and preparing them for college and life after college? And there's several, you know, several other members, but this is precisely why the name of this podcast is developing tomorrow's leaders and how it's done is through a collective, be it, through guests, bringing guests on like you to share your expertise and your background and your knowledge, but also how we are coming together outside of this platform to forge a group of change makers that do, in fact, like you said, care about kids. And we also care about educating parents about what their kids don't know. And I think that's the other part, because a lot of parents are unaware of what their kids don't know, and the kids don't know what their parents don't know. So we have a platform that provides everything for parents, for students, for educators, and it's it's just a great opportunity. And I'm very honored to be a part of it. And I appreciate uh, you your allowing me to be a part of it. And I just want to also add in there that when Phil and I actually first met, when I was first introduced to him through another fellow uh, connector, we had a two and a half hour first call. So I knew that uh, this, this guy cares just as much, if not more than I do about helping kids. And you can hear it in his passion when he's talking. And this is why I'm really glad to have you on, Phil, because I know you have a, a big heart and and you're very open and honest about sharing what people do know, what they don't know, what they need to know. And you, like me, tell people what they need to hear versus what they want to hear. And I think too many people are telling people what they want to hear to appease them to make them make decisions that are not always in their best interest, not only for the parents, but more importantly, for their kids. Outstanding. Great summary. Uh, great summary, Coach T. And uh, yeah, th and it's it's exciting that you're a part of it and uh, we're, we're making a difference and we're, we're helping each other. And, and if folks want to be involved and engaged, just, uh, you know, touch base with me or or Coach T and we'll because we, we need volunteers too. It's not just um, you know the professionals who are providing this education. We, we need the advocates to say, you know what, I'm not an expert in health and wellness, but we have a resource. I have a resource to, to help those to be educated, get the, the necessary guidance that they need. Uh, and then we have like a mental health program. It's extraordinary of, on a monthly basis. It's, it's incredible where you can call, um, you know, you could call a, a, a mental health um, therapist and and for 24 7 for a very low monthly rate and that's that's a game changer for families who can't afford having their son or daughter be a ther uh, you know go to a therapist and then be on a wait list for three months uh, to get the necessary help that's unacceptable for us are we like the third world country um it's just embarrassing and so there are solutions out there but as you mentioned if you don't know what you don't know, you gotta you gotta surround yourself with people who are in the know about important factors of preparing for life and 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 knowing what to do in in situations um, and to count on them too as well. Yeah, no, thank you for that, Phil. I appreciate it. And uh, for those of you that uh, that don't know, and if you wanted to go to mm -hmm. Phil's website, it is planning. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> planningandvision.com and also the helpopedia site is helpopedia.org that's h-e-l-p-i-p-e-d-i-a.org and we would love to have volunteers and as always we meet once a, once a week and very informative and we find out we're always trying to stay in the know in our areas of expertise so that we can share that and pass that on to um the consumer if you will um, any uh, word? Oh, actually, Phil, I do have a question for you. I asked all of my guests before they depart. And that is if you can name the individual or individuals that have been most influential in your life and why. Wow. Um, so I think uh, definitely um, my mom uh, had a huge influence on my, um, my, my kindness and caring for, for folks and uh, that she's instilled in, in me. And um, I would say uh, there were a number of professors that uh, really had an impact in, in, in my life and my thinking, uh, and I could uh, credit them. Um, professor Lazarus, uh, management um, professor, um, no longer with us, God bless his soul. And uh, really, it, it's asking 
the difficult questions. It is understanding. And that's the, the most, that's the thing. If you're inquisitive, if you want to know how things work, you're asking questions. So when you're in a classroom or when you're at work and you're not getting a lot of questions from the individual, you, it's a question for you. Do they really want to understand the knee-deep details of what we're doing because they e are eager to learn and understand? And are they asking questions because have you covered everything to ensure that this will be a successful, whether it's a rollout, whether it's a, it's a process that's in place. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, so that's, uh, those are the people that uh, had an influence on my life. I, I appreciate you asking. Oh, no, my pleasure. No, and I love the, the last comment too. And as you were saying, it is one of the things that I think I share with kids too, is if you don't ask questions, you're not growing because you have to ask those questions. And also the answers you get empower you to do what it is you want to do because you get the answers you need as opposed to pondering, trying to figure it out on your own. Because I'm strong believed the only, only uh, dumb question is the one you don't ask. So it's all about asking the questions and asking the questions. Um, but Phil, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. And obviously you and I'll be talking soon, but I want to thank you again for your time and, and sharing your expertise. And I strongly urge you parents out there to check out his website, planningandvision.com and find out more about him. It has a wealth of information on there. He's very knowledgeable in what he does, obviously. And, and I definitely appreciate you taking the time, Phil. Excellent, Coach C. And you keep doing what you're doing. That Teen Speak activity is extraordinary. I can't wait to uh, invite uh, some of the students that I have that have uh, some some stories for you uh, to make a difference in, in kids' lives. Uh, I think you guys are doing an extraordinary job, you and uh, Keith Sensor. Yeah, thank you. And I, I'll just add that uh, who uh, Phil is mentioning is Keith is another member of the Helpopedia uh, group and he and I have started a podcast Teen Speak where we interview teens and it is a great platform because it really brings home what we're all doing and that's helping kids to find their voice, share their voice so they can inspire their peers and their friends so thanks again Phil. As always I'm Coach T. I'm here to educate, support and inspire the next generation of leaders until the next episode, see ya If you want your children to be successful in their academics and careers or, if you just want them more confident and build high self-esteem, the CF Success Academy is the place to be. This blueprint for the successful adolescent, helps kids develop essential life skills, they need to be successful in both, their personal lives and professionally. Visit CoachT'sCorner.com to get started.